for our reading text. We'll be starting in the book of Exodus in chapter 16. The book of Exodus chapter 16, and we'll start with the first verse. And for the context of kind of where we're at in the the story of Exodus in the scriptures, um, we're going to see Moses speaking to the children of Israel. Um, They have just crossed the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. Um, Of course, uh, there have been many miraculous events up to this point with the um, the plagues that happened in Egypt as God was... uh, demonstrating his power um, in finally into such a place after the, the tenth and last plague that Pharaoh told the children of Israel to get out of Egypt. They, lay, they left quickly um, and, let, and exited out of Egypt. And God, we see, um, had them encamp next to the Red Sea. Uh, the Egyptians pretty quickly decided that they... Uh, had made a mistake in letting the children of Israel go. And so Pharaoh, with his chariots and horsemen and warriors and his army, came to, uh, to the children of Israel. God had uh, provided a way for them to escape, and they went through the Red Sea. It had parted, and it said that it, the water stood as a wall on either side, and they went through, and the waves had come. The water came crashing down upon the Egyptians while they were pursuing them. And Israel was saved. They sang a song of victory in chapter 15, praising God for his miraculous victory and salvation to free them from slavery in Egypt and victory over their enemies that were pursuing them um, to do them harm. And then we get to Exodus chapter 16. And it says in verse 1, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured or complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel at even, Then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And we'll stop our reading there in the 8th verse. Of course, this is um, just before the Lord starts to provide uh, what the children of Israel came to call manna. 
um, which is the bread from heaven. They called it manna because that, that in the Hebrew it means what is this? Or it was kind of an unknown thing. But God said that he was going to provide bread for them. And uh, he did that shortly after. And God gave them rules on how they were to collect the bread and when they were to collect the bread that he provided for them. But the focus of these first eight um, verses here is it's just after the miracles that, they, that they, the children of Israel had seen God perform. And they had seen many miracles in Egypt. And even as they had left Egypt, God's presence was with them in the pillar of fire by uh, night and the pillar of the cloud by day. Um, they had clearly seen God's power in uh, the Red Sea um, opening up and allowing them to walk across on dry land. But those things had quickly faded from their memory, or at least they were not what was on top of their mind, because they were hungry. They were hungry. And we, if we picture the, the scene, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was, I think it was maybe 600,000 that it said men that had um, exited out of the land of Egypt um, when they left. I, I, don't, I may not have the exact number correctly, but it gives a number a few chapters back. If I was going to, to try to find it, I probably could. But we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. And they ended up in the wilderness, which in our minds would most resemble a desert. Um, I have been in that area. Um, I took a trip back in 2012, and I was in Egypt and Israel, and I, I saw the wilderness. And it really did look like a desert. You would see little shrubby bushes from time to time, but it looked, uh, it just looked dead. There was not a lot of life. There was not green. There weren't pretty trees. There wasn't a lot of water. It looked like a desert in my mind of what a desert would look like. So you have a hundred, hundreds of thousands of people, um, and just to get this, this camp of people to move from one place to the other was no easy task. If you've ever been in a group of people um, trying to move from one place to the other, it, it takes some time and some coordination. And so, and there, God provided a way. There, were, there was a very uh, structured system for how they were going to move around. But it was no easy task. And so then you can imagine on a daily basis what kind of food would be required to sustain this large group of people. And whatever that food is, that quantity of food is, that is needed, it is not what you would typically find in the desert. And so the children of Israel, though they had seen a lot of great miracles, their faith quickly was depleted because they were faced with a very real scenario where they were hungry and there was no logical way in their minds that they were going to get, be able to get food in the desert that they were in to sustain them. And so they quickly looked back to the time of Egypt and complained to Moses and said that they wished they had stayed in Egypt, essentially stayed in slavery there, and had died there next to, or when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. So they remembered back, regardless of the state of their freedom, they were in slavery and in bondage to Egypt, but they thought slavery and bondage sounded pretty good when at least they felt like they had food to eat. 
And being free and starving to death in the wilderness seemed like a worse option to them. Their complaint, though, was not against God directly in their mouths. You see, they didn't, they, and maybe it was, maybe there was, it was the fact that they had just seen all the great miracles that God had done, and maybe they were a little bit hesitant to blame God for their situation. But they turned their anger, their complaining, their grumbling to their leader, Moses. And they said, um, they said, for ye, talking to Moses, ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God explained what he was going to do. It says that he then, turned, or then said the Lord unto Moses, and he talks about how he's going to rain bread. And he says that he's going to, that he, the children of Israel, he lets Moses know that they'll eat meat. Um, and then it was that night that quail came into the camp and that they would eat bread. And it was then the next morning that they first saw the manna, the bread from heaven that God was providing for them. But Moses makes a point when he responds back to the children of Israel because he tells them in verse 7, it says, And in the morning ye, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, when they see the manna for the first time, for that he, the Lord, or God, heareth your murmurings against the Lord. Moses turns this around. And he says that their murmurings are against the Lord. He says, And what are we that ye murmur against us? So the children of Israel, they they almost saw Moses as their buffer. They didn't like the situation that God had put them in. And God was the one that had put them in this situation. But rather than complaining directly to God, they complained and they blamed Moses. And Moses made it clear that their complaints, their murmurings, were not in fact really against him. In their hearts, who they really had a problem with was God and his plan and what he had done to get them to the position that they were in. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And so Moses makes it clear that their murmurings, their complaints, their heart, their attitude, their sour, bitter attitude, their faithlessness was not against Moses or against Aaron, but it was really against God. Because up to this point, not that Moses was a perfect individual, nor Aaron, and we get examples of their, some of their failures in the scriptures, but to the point that they had led the children of Israel out of Egypt and to, and to the Red Sea, or across the Red Sea, and to this place in the wilderness, Moses had simply been a, a mouthpiece for God and had followed the commands of God so that the children of Israel were were in the position they were in because of God and His commandments. So Moses was saying, who am I? I am only doing what God has commanded to be done. The, the, The plagues every time that God told Moses to go and to interact with Pharaoh, God was giving Moses the words to say, And when Moses would stretch out his hand and a plague would happen in the land of Egypt, it was not by the power of Moses, but by the power of God that that plague occurred. 
The children of Israel were set free not because of Moses, but because of God. And Moses was simply the one that God chose to, to demonstrate his power through and to be the, the spokesperson for his commands. So the children of Israel, their murmuring was not against Moses really, but against God. But they positioned themselves in such a way that they complained against Moses, the servant. And as I was thinking about this and as we apply this and we can look, we'll go ahead and flip over to the book of John in chapter 15 just to get a few scriptures here to, to tie in the, the thought as we dive a little bit deeper into this scripture. Jesus here speaking to his disciples in the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 15, starting with verse 18. Jesus has um, just said uh, that he's, he's commanded them that they love one another. But then in verse 18 he says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. And if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. And I'll stop there in the 21st verse. Even today, it's been, we're in a different culture, a different country, a, a different world, it seems from the times of Moses in the book of Exodus when they were leaving Egypt thousands of years prior to where we are today. But a similar dynamic still takes place today in the fact that people still have a problem with God and His ways and His commands, and His will, and what He has said and ordained to be how our lives should work. People, just as they did then, just as the children of Israel looked around, were hungry, didn't see how they were going to get food, and they, they, they did not like the situation they were in. They did not see it as what was best for them. They looked back at what they had had prior. The grass was greener at that point in time in Egypt. And they complained. They complained about what God had done and where He had led them. And you will still find that people do that today. That the, the ways of God and what He does and where He puts people in their lives and the things that they have to face, they don't like it. And so they murmur. They complain. I should say we sometimes put myself in that bucket. We have a tendency to complain. It's easy to look at the children of Israel and to think that surely if I had crossed the Red Sea, I wouldn't have within a few hours or days, I don't know exactly how long it was, they had a chance to sing a victory song, but it was not very long till they started to complain. And you would think surely if you had seen the miracles of God that they had seen up to that point, they would not have been so quick to complain and wish for their time back in Egypt. And yet we are no better than the children of Israel. 
despite whatever blessings God may put in our lives, we still have a tendency to get put into a rocky, dicey situation and complain and murmur and get discouraged and uh, maybe even start to question the sovereignty and goodness of God. But what you'll find is that, and so we can do that directly to God, but what you'll find as you go about living your life that that sometimes the murmuring, the complaining, the persecution, the, the things that happen, they may get directed toward the servant of God. Just as Moses here was seeing that the, the wrath, the, 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 the frustration of the people, the, the fear of the people, they were hungry. They did not know how they were going to get food. They were thinking in their minds, because they did not trust God in their minds, they were going to starve to death. They were afraid. And so they were taking it out on Moses. We will find that even today that there are times where people, they will complain, they will murmur against the people of God, against the pastor, against the the teacher, against the parent, against the, the, the person of God, the one that is standing for God's truth, or the one that is explaining the will of God. There are things here in the Scriptures that are not popular today. There are things that it tells us about God's will, about the way that God has ordained things to be, that are not popular in our society. And those that will stand on those things, those that the people that will proclaim these things and say these things and teach these things may receive the, the brunt of the feedback from those that do not want to hear these things and do not agree with them. There are many people today that do not agree with the way that God says things should be. And rather than, than going against God, they may actually go against the person that God has put in the position to speak the truth. What we need to recognize is that when, like Moses, when we are truly standing in the truth, standing for what is right, when we are truly serving God, and these things happen, the complaints come about, the murmurings come about, the, the, the gossip comes about, the persecution comes about, the... Um, isolation, the, the, when people, they, they, don't, they don't talk to you the same way. They don't include you in the same conversations. They don't, they don't invite you to the same uh, things. You start to maybe feel excluded, um, cast out. But when these things happen for the cause of God, what we have to recognize is it's not us truly that they have a problem with, it's God. It's God. And so what we have to be careful of is to, and, and to the best of our ability, to try not to take these things personally. Moses, in his way, he was, in his own way, as he was going back to the people, he was not taking their murmuring personally. 
because he recognized that it really didn't have to do with him. Their murmurings were not about, at least at this point, it wasn't about the way he looked. It wasn't about the specifics of him. It was the situation that they were in. It was what God had commanded and that Moses had followed those commandments and they were complaining and their complaints were really about God. And so that allowed Moses to, to almost to kind of throw up his hands and say, Who am I? It's not me. It's not, it's not my will. It's not my greatness. It's not my power. It's not my plan. Moses didn't sit down when he was in the land of Goshen with his wife and his father-in-law when he had fled from Egypt. He didn't sit down and, and come up with this master plan of, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to Egypt and I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to lead the people out. We're going to cross the Red Sea and, and then I'm going to take the people out into the middle of the desert. Hundreds of thousands of people with no plan of how to feed them. That's going to be a great idea. No, Moses didn't plan those things out. It was God. I, and Moses was, for the most part, what we find in Scripture, is a faithful servant in many ways. And now God enabled him to be so. The glory all goes to God. God chose Moses out, and God gave, I believe, Moses a, a trust and a faith in the things of God. As uh, Moses was leading the children of Israel further out into the wilderness, I don't know what was going through his mind. I don't know if he was thinking, hmm, it's going to be kind of hard to feed all these people out here, God. <laughs> What's going on? We don't, I don't know what was going through Moses' mind, what maybe lack of trust might have been there. But he continued to follow what God commanded. He was leading the people where God told them to go. And so when the children of Israel complained, he was able to say, it's not me. It's not my plan. It's, it's not really me. It's not my leadership that you have a problem with because I'm simply following the true leader, which is God. So take it up with him if you have a problem. And in, in some respects, we have to do that today because when we face the, the persecutions, when we face the, um, the, the times when we're, we're ostracized and when we're complained about, when we're gossiped about, when, when, things, when, when we start to receive some resistance for the things of God, it can be easy to take those things personally. It can be easy to get discouraged it can be easy if we're not careful to back down. But I want this message to encourage you today that when standing for the things of God, be encouraged that it's not you. It's not about you. Though the things may be said about you, though your name may be the, the name coming out of someone's mouth, and the things they may be saying might not be too kind. They may not have a lot to say about your intelligence or your faithfulness or your abilities or about who you are as a person. And they may be saying them about you directly, but take heart that if it's the things of God that are causing this, it's not really you that they have a problem with. It's the one you're standing for. And Jesus, as he was talking to his disciples, he said that the servant was not greater than the master. 
Jesus stood for the things of God better than any of us ever will. His life was about the will of God more so than any one of our lives will ever be. And because of that, he faced persecution, ridicule, he was mocked, he was made fun of, they laughed at him, they questioned his intelligence, they said that he was crazy. They said that he was working for the devil. They said that he was proud and, and to bringing himself up to be like God, to be God, which he was. He faced persecution, punishment, ridicule, isolation in some ways, even from his own blood family when he went back to his hometown. Even his brothers and sisters, up to a point, thought that he was too much and he needed to back down. The servant is not greater than the master. So if Jesus Christ faced these things, even up to the point of a, a premature death, uh, he died a young man. He died younger than I am today. By following the will of God. And if they did those to the master, the world will continue to do those things to the servants in some capacity. Now, whether or not we will have to face the level of persecution that our lives will be threatened or that we will have to face the things that we read about through history where people were arrested, where they were tortured, and where many were actually killed for standing for the things of God, I don't know if that is in our future or not. Only God knows. But... The Bible tells us when you stand for the things of God, you will face resistance because the world is at enmity with God. But take heart. Take heart that when the things come, when the apostles, I think they recognized as they were going out and they were going from city to city, and it, it said Jesus told them that when they came to a city and they weren't welcomed, they weren't received into it, just to go and to wipe off the dust of their feet as, a, as a, a testimony against them, and to go to the next one. Because it wasn't about the apostles. It wasn't about Peter. It wasn't about John. It wasn't about Paul. It was about the one that they were representing. It was about the one that they were proclaiming the gospel of. So when they proclaimed the gospel message and they were rejected, it wasn't about them. And so it wasn't for them to take personally, and they recognized that it was... It was the fact that the world is at enmity with God. That Christ himself was rejected, and so those that will proclaim Christ will face rejection. But take courage. Take courage. And the response that you receive is not what should influence and dictate what you do in the future. I want to make that clear. The response that you receive when you proclaim the things of God, actually the things of God, the response that you receive, you may, you may receive a warm welcome and reception. The people may be receptive and listening and take to heart the things that you say. Wonderful. Praise God that His Spirit, that His power is doing a mighty work. And then press on. When you meet with Apathy, 
and just when you see that when it looks like people just are not interested, they're not engaged, they're looking at the clock, they're they're thinking about other things, and it 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 seems as though they could care less about what you're saying, whether it's your family, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's classmates, whether it's a church congregation, whoever it may be, you may find times where it's just where people just don't seem to have any sort of interest. Take heart. If it's the things of God, it's not about you. Now, I'll come back to something here towards the end, because this isn't a blanket statement that means that we, don't, that we can just do whatever we want when we want and not have to, to receive any feedback. But if it's the things of God that are not important to them, then it's, it's not about you. So take heart. And then when you face the resistance, when you face the pain and the suffering and the, the exclusion, when you hear something and, and there's some sort of harshness or unkindness, which is the response that you receive for the things of God, then I pray that, as Moses said, that you can take heart and say, look, it's not, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm no one of my own and on my own. So when you have a problem with the things that I say, the things that I do, the things that I proclaim as truth, then you really are against God. Because what I'm saying, I'm just a mouthpiece for what He has said. So I want us to take courage. And then as you receive the responses, then you can carry on. Whether you receive a warm welcome or rejection, that you can press forward in the truth of God. There were times where Christ was received into a place that He went, especially early in His ministry. There were times where He was received and people flocked to Him. He entered Jerusalem with shouts and palms of victory and, and shouts to the king. And it was not too long after that that those same people were shaking their heads and wagging their heads at him, hanging on the cross at Calvary. But the one that he represented and the truth that he stood for never changed. And it will never change for us. Now, the opposition that we receive, Jesus, he talked about how the world is at enmity with God and that the world persecuted him, the master, and they, the world will persecute his servants. And that remains true even today. It was true in the time of Jesus. It was true when he spoke these words to his disciples. And the world continues to be at enmity with God. Now, we can say things are far worse. The world has... Uh, migrated away from God and you know there's some that maybe you'll say that times are worse now than they've ever been I don't know that I would go that far if you read through history there's been some pretty dark times but I think we can all agree and it's safe to say that our world is still in many ways at enmity with God as it has been from the time that Adam and Eve rejected God's law and went their own way and tried to be their own gods and mankind fell, 
there has the world in many ways has been at enmity with God. And our nature is at enmity against the nature of God. And it's only by the, the redemptive work of our Savior Jesus Christ, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of us will take pleasure in the laws of God and follow after Him. On our own, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Have gone astray. So we can recognize that. And so the world continues to be at enmity with God. And so the world will continue to be at enmity. The world will continue to have opposition to those that proclaim the things of God. And when we we talk about these things, when we talk about God's design for marriage and what marriage is supposed to be and what marriage is not supposed to be, we will face backlash by the world, because the world does not, in many ways, our society today, our culture today, by and large, does not agree with what God's Word has prescribed as the intended order that God has set up in our world. And we see that with marriage. We can see that with parents and children and their relationships and uh, in so many ways. And we will see that time and again that the world will, will resist and oppose those things as we can expect. And what this means is that it doesn't mean that we should back down. It doesn't mean we should turn the volume down on what we say or what that we should back down from proclaiming these things. Take heart. The world has been at enmity with God. The world rejected Christ and we are His. And their complaints, what they're truly opposed to is not us, but our God. So may their complaints be to him. The opposition you will find does not just come from the world out there, but sometimes you will find that it comes from God's people in God's church. It was not the Egyptians that Moses was having to bear the grief of. It was not the Canaanites it was, or the Perizzites or the Hivites or the Philistines. No, it was the children of God that were complaining and murmuring and that lacked the faith that they needed to trust God and they were taking it out on God's servant Moses. And we will still see that today. A pastor's job, and, and as if, if I am to do my job effectively, I'm supposed to encourage the church in all the ways that God says we're supposed to live our lives. And if you're doing that today, wonderful. Praise God. If you're not, it doesn't change what God has prescribed for His people. And it doesn't change the fact that I should be proclaiming those things out. It doesn't change the way that a deacon should be doing their filling their role. It doesn't change the way that a Sunday school teacher or a Bible study teacher should be bringing forth what God's Word says. If we truly are messengers of God's Word, we need to be messengers not just out to the world, but within our own. In the church, we are to be proclaiming out the ways of God. And some of those ways are well integrated in our churches today. And some of those ways are not. We have 
members that will embrace some of the things in God's Word, and we have members that may have a problem with some of the things in God's Word. But it doesn't change. And when those things are are proclaimed, when we follow God and we're following what His desire and we're, we're talking about His will and we are in His truth, we may find that we are rejected or that there's opposition, that unkind words can be said even amongst our own people. But take heart. Because if we are standing for God's word and we are truly in His truth and proclaiming His will and not our own, then their opposition, their complaints, they're not against us. Though they may say our names, though they may think they're against us, and if you ask them, they would say they're against us. The children of Israel thought their beef, that their complaints, that their, their ire was to Moses. But Moses pointed out to them, it's not me. It's God that you're complaining against. It's God you have a problem with because He's the one that said to do this. He's the one that said to get out of Egypt. He is the one that said that we needed to go out into this wilderness. So if you have a problem with His way, take it up with Him. And we still may have to do that today, whether it's out in the world or even amongst God's people. Their opposition to His will, His way as proclaimed and as as if we're the mouthpieces of His word, then may we not take those things personally, though they may hurt. I don't think any of us find it pleasant when someone says something negative about us or about our families or about who we are as a person. Those things can hurt. But take heart if you are standing for the things of God that it may not be you that they truly have a problem with but the one that you are speaking for. Now, I say all that and I want to to make sure that we don't go to the other extreme, right? Because we have in this the only reason Moses was able to say the things he did is because He was truly acting as a servant to God. The only reason he was able to say that their complaints were against God and not against him is because he was truly following God in what he had done. So we have to evaluate ourselves sometimes. And we need to make sure that when... We are receiving opposition when people are when someone disapproves of something that we have said or done. Let's check and make sure that we truly are following God. Because when we go out on our own, when we start doing things our own way, and when we start taking the things of God and putting our own narrative on it, our own spin on it, our own prejudice, our when we take the things and there are things that that bother us more than others. That we have our own, some people call them pet peeves. We have our own things that just get under our skin. And if we focus on those things and, and we put our own spin on it and we are and we harp on the same things and we're harsh on the same things and we aren't doing it in the way that the, the Bible prescribes, we may face 
pushback on that. And we may need to check ourselves and recognize that if we are deviating, if we're not just acting as the mouthpiece of God, but when we're acting as our own mouthpiece and getting up on our own soapbox, our own pedestal, and kind of doing things our own way, then this doesn't, Moses didn't get to say this because he was doing the things of Moses. He only was able to say this and be true in his statement because he was truly being the servant of God. And so as we go about and we, we proclaim the things of God, as we should, and we need to stand firm, and we need to recognize that we'll stand firm and we'll face opposition and we'll face some persecution, the Bible tells us we will. It's not an if, but a when. If we are truly following the things of God, if we are truly the disciples of Christ, we as His servants will face persecution as our Master did. But let's make sure that we are facing these things because we are His servant and His disciple and not because we're doing things our own way. Paul, as he was writing, and Paul, he... uh, He's a great example of someone that faced some pushback from the church. There were some people in the church, Paul, I think that he had a heart for the people that he met on his mission trips and the churches that he set up. There was a love there that God had given him for God's people in these churches. And and you can see that in his letters, that there was a, a closeness that Paul spent a lot of time with these people, sometimes months or years at a time in an area. And he would get to know these people and then he would go somewhere else that that God would have him to go to spread the gospel. And sometimes these people that he came to to get close with and to love, someone else would come along and kind of turn them against Paul. And they would start to complain and and to question Paul and to uh, maybe have some not-so-nice things to say about him. And so Paul faced this in the churches, in God's people. And he addressed those in some of his letters. But Paul talked about how He would uh, be all things to all people. And so, as I'm talking about these things, I'm talking about the truth that we stand on, that Moses was, was simply following God. And the things of God we don't back down from. And if we face the opposition, if we face the murmurings and the complaints, so be it. May we take courage that it's not about us. But that doesn't mean, as, as Paul said, that we don't, it, what we don't need to do is just give ourselves license to just to, to be however we want to be and not, as I think of the examples, Paul, he knew that he was speaking to different audiences and he would, he would talk differently. He would explain things differently to the Greeks than maybe he would to the Hebrews to the the people that came from different backgrounds. And sometimes he might even behave a little bit differently, not not in a way to violate the laws of God, but he would try to, to connect with them in a way that he could bring them to Christ, that he could, that they would better receive the truth that he had to say. And so I, I don't, those two things are not opposed. What I've just preach to you this morning and preaching about standing on God and on His ways and proclaiming those things out and also looking at Paul and, and talking about you know being adaptable so that we, we recognize that different people may need us to 
to, to preach in a different way or to teach in a different way, to, to explain things in a different way. And that's okay. And we need to be receptive to that. If someone came to me and, and their complaint was not against what I preached, but how I preached, that there was something that I did that was distracting towards them, or that I didn't, that I, I didn't explain things well enough, or that I, I, I didn't use the right words so that people could understand and I was confusing, I would hope that I could take that kind of feedback to heart and receive it, this isn't about us just kind of stonewall. It's not about us just being hard-hearted and not being open to anything that anyone would have to say. But I hope that I could take those things to heart and try to, to, to improve, to, to make sure that anything that is of me is not standing in the way of the gospel message and of God's truth getting out to a lost and dying world and being a food and a nourishment to God's people. So let's be open and receptive to hearing what people have to say. And if it's something within our power that's not against the things of God, if there's ways that we can better relate to people and speak to people and connect with people as a means, not for our own glory, not so that we can feel better about ourselves, but as a means to lead them to Christ, and so be it. And the things that are truly of God, when we are following Him and when we are in His truth and when we pray about it and we recognize, Lord, I, I believe I have done my best to tell them Your truth, then may we, regardless of the response, praise our God and may the message go on. May we not back down. Their complaints are not against us, because who are we but just servants of our great and glorious King? And may we press on so that we can tell a lost and dying world about a Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as God's people, may we encourage each other, sometimes challenge each other, that we may look a little bit more like him.